0: Psalm one oh six Psalm one oh six Psalm one oh five deals with the history of Israel between Abraham and Exodus. And Psalm 106 deals with the history of Israel between um, Exodus and the carrying away of the children of Israel into Babylon. Psalm 106, verse 1 Praise ye the Lord. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all his praise? Blessed are they that keep judgment, and he that doeth righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that Thou bearest unto Thy people. O visit me with Thy salvation, that I may see the good of Thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of Thy nation, that I may glory with Thine inheritance. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt. They remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power to be known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness, And he saved them from the hand of him that hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then believed they his words. They sang his praise. They soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And he gave them their request, but sent Leanness into their soul. They envied Moses also in the camp and Aaron, the saint of the Lord. The earth opened and swallowed up Dathan and covered the company of Abiram, and a fire was kindled in their company. The flame burned up the wicked. They made a calf in Oreb and worshiped the molten image. Thus they changed their glory into the similitude of an ox that eateth grass. They forget God their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and terrible things by the Red Sea. Therefore he said that he would destroy them, had not Moses, his chosen, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. Yea, they despised the pleasant lamb. They believed not his word, but murmured in their tents, and hearkened not unto the voice of the Lord. Therefore he lifted up his hand against them to overthrow them in the wilderness, to overthrow their seed also among the nations, and to scatter them in the lands. They joined themselves also unto Baal Peor, that's the god of the Moabites, and ate the sacrifices of the dead. Remember, these are the people of God we're reading about. These are the things they did. Thus they provoked him to anger with their inventions, and the plague break in upon them. Then stood up Phineas and executed judgment, and so the plague was stayed. And that was counted unto him for righteousness unto all generations forevermore. They angered him also at the waters of strife, so that it went ill with Moses for their sakes, because they provoked his spirit, so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips, They did not destroy the nations concerning whom the Lord commanded them, but were mingled among the heathen and learned their works. And they served their idols, and they were a snare unto them. Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils, and shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and of their daughters, whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Thus were they defiled with their own works and went a whoring with their own inventions. Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against his people. Insomuch that he abhorred his own inheritance. And he gave them into the hand of the heathen and they hated them. And they that hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them and they were brought into subjection under their hand. Many times did he deliver them but they provoked him with their counsel and were brought low for their iniquity. Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry, and he remembered for them his covenant and repented according to the multitude of his mercies. He made them also to be pitied of all those that carried them captives. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the heathen to give thanks unto thy name, thy holy name, and to triumph in thy praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Praise ye the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, how we. Thank you for who you are. How we thank you that you're a gracious and merciful God. Lord, when we read this psalm, we see ourselves and we pray that we might be saved by your grace. Lord, cause your gospel to be preached in the power of your spirit. Meet with us for Christ's sake. Forgive us of our sins. Be with all your people wherever they meet together. And Lord, accept our thanksgiving. We're so thankful for who you are. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now this is the third of the historical psalms. Uh, Psalm 78, Psalm 105, and (coughs) Psalm 106, and as we read this psalm, you could see that this is a confession of sin. It's a confession of 800 years of sin in behalf of the children of Israel. Look in verse 6. Here's where this confession begins. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Now that is the confession of the psalmist. Let me name this narrative of confession. You'll notice if you have a Cambridge Bible, this is called The Story of Israel's Rebellion and God's Great Mercies. Now we read that they soon forgot, they waited not, they lusted exceedingly, they tempted God, they envied God, they made a calf and worshiped the golden image. They forgot God their savior. They despised the pleasant land. They believed not his word. They murmured. They joined themselves to Baal, Baal-Peor, the god of the Moabites. They did not destroy the nations that God commanded them to destroy. They mingled among the heathen and served their idols. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to devils. They were defiled with their own works. This catalog of sins is shocking. It's 800 years of the history of Israel. And that will be and is me and you, apart from the grace of God. <clears throat> if you don't see that about yourself. If I don't see that about myself. It's because I am in a, in a hardened. <laughs> desensitized. And self deluded state of myself. What a shocking. I mean even sacrificing their children. Unto false God's. Now these were what we would call the people of God, doing all these things. Now in verse one, the psalmist begins, "Praise ye the Lord, O oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good." I wish I could describe that as it ought to be described. "He is good. all." The time. He is good. I'm so thankful for that. He brings good out of evil all the time. He is good all the time. His mercy endures eternally. Forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth his praise? Who who can give sufficient language? sufficient words to describe his greatness. I can't. You can't. The psalmist couldn't. I love it when Paul said, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable, indescribable gift. He says in verse 3, Blessed are they that keep judgment, and he that doeth righteousness at all times. Now, the only way I can understand that is in light of justification. Uh, I've done righteousness at all times. Jesus Christ did righteousness at all times. He's the only one, and I did too in Him. So blessed are they that keep judgment, and He that doeth righteousness at all times. And that describes every believer. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that Thou bearest unto Thy people. O visit me. With thy salvation, that I may see the good of thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, that I may glory with thine inheritance. Have mercy on me. Have, give me the favor of thy chosen. Give me the favor of thy people. Now, that's in our heart, isn't it? Lord, treat me the way you treat your chosen, your people, the people Christ died for. Give me your favor. And your grace. Now he begins his confession of sin. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. I wonder when the last time I've had a confession like that from my heart, saying what the psalmist says in my own personal confession. Of my sin. We've done wickedly, we've committed iniquity. We sinned. Now he talks about our fathers, Our fathers, and this is who he's given this history of, our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt. They remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. They were ungrateful, they were spiritually stupid. They understood not, they were provoking. They provoked God by their sin. Nevertheless, Martin Lloyd Jones said the whole gospel is found in this word, nevertheless. Nevertheless, in spite of what they were, nevertheless, he saved them because of their confession of sin, because of their sorrow. And their regret over what they did? No, he saved them for his name's sake. For Christ's sake. That he might make his mighty power to be known. He rebuked the Red Sea also. And it was dried up. Don't you love to think about the Red Sea parting the way it did? And them walking through dry ground? He rebuked the Red Sea, and it was dried up, so he led them through the depths, as through the wilderness. And he saved them from the hand of him that hated him, talking about Pharaoh, and redeemed them from the hand of the enemies. And the waters covered their enemies, so there was not one of them left. Now, I love to think of the Egyptian army washed up dead on the sea, but here's the main teaching. Do you know what? There's not one of your sins left, covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not one sin left. Verse 12. Then believed they his words. They sang his praise. Oh, they were so happy. You can read about it in Exodus chapter 15. They soon forgot his works and waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert and he gave them their request, but send leanness unto their soul. Now, this is what is happening in Numbers chapter 11. They'd been having manna for a couple of months, and it was getting old. They said, we want meat. This isn't good enough, this manna. We want meat. And God said, okay, I'll give you meat. And he sent quails so that they ate till it was coming out their nostrils. And then the wrath of God struck them at that time. And they were uh, diseased, hurt because of this lust for meat. We want meat. He sent them quails. They lusted exceedingly, tempted God in the desert. And he gave them their request, but he sent leanness into their souls. Now, what is that leanness into their soul? It's what the Lord called lukewarmness, (coughs) lukewarmness. You're not hot, you're not cold. Hot is a state of discomfort. Cold is a state of discomfort. When you're lukewarm, I'm okay, I'm all right. Leanness into their soul. They lost that need of Christ. They lost that amazement of His grace. Leanness into their soul. Hard-heartedness. Verse sixteen. They envied Moses also in the camp, and Aaron the saint of the Lord. Now that's when Dathan and Abiram they were jealous of Moses, and they were jealous of Aaron, and they said, "We're as holy as they are. We're the Lord's people, just like you are. We." We can offer sacrifice. And they took their censers, and that's when God opened up the ground and swallowed them right then. Look in verse 16. They envied Moses also in the camp, and and Aaron the saint of the Lord. The earth opened and swallowed up Dathan and covered the company of Abiram. And a fire was kindled in their company, and the flame burned up the wicked. Now, verse 19. They made a calf. In Horeb or Mount Sinai, and worshiped the molten image. Thus they changed their glory, the God of glory, into the similitude of an ox that eateth grass. They forgot God their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt. Now, you think about this. This was just weeks after their deliverance. Moses goes up into Mount Sinai, he's there for 40 days. And what do they do? They make a golden calf and worship it. And they change their glory, the God of glory, into an image like a four-footed beast that eats grass. I love it when Moses says to Aaron, why'd you do this? How did you let the people do this? Where'd this calf come from? Oh, Aaron says, well, we threw the gold in the fire, and out came this calf. <laughs> Wouldn't even take responsibility for what he'd done. That's the way we are. And this is what took place. These are the people who experienced this great deliverance, the parting of the Red Sea, and they make an image and bring God down to a, the likeness of an ox that eats grass verse 21 they forgot god their savior which had done great things in egypt wondrous works in the land of ham and terrible things by the red sea this is talking about the ten plagues and the parting of the red sea they forgot it all verse 23 therefore said he that he would destroy them had not moses his chosen stood up before him in the breach to turn away his wrath lest he should destroy them this is talking about when Moses prayed for him in Exodus 32 and 33. God said, I'm going to kill him. And Moses prayed for him. You know, I thought this before. Every time Moses prayed for somebody, the Lord delivered him. He's a type of Christ there. Christ prays for you. I think of what he said to, Mo- or to, to Peter. Peter, I prayed for you. That your faith fail not. You know what? His faith didn't fail because Christ prayed for him. Moses prayed for him. To turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. Yea, they despised the pleasant land. They believed not his word. He had promised them the land of Canaan. And they despised it. They believed not his word. But murmured in their tents. That's their disapproval. And hearkened not unto the voice of the Lord. Therefore he lifted up his hand against them to overthrow them in the wilderness. To overthrow their seed also among the nations. And to scatter them in the lands. They joined themselves also to Baal Peor. This is in Numbers chapter 25, the uh, God of the Moabites. They joined themselves also into Baal Peor and ate the sacrifices of the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their inventions, and the plague broke in upon them. Now, during this time, when they were joined themselves to Baal Peor, the scripture also says they committed fornication with the Moabites. And the Lord sent a plague and destroyed 24,000 people at that time when they joined themselves to Baal Peor. (coughs) Then, verse 30, then stood up Phinehas and executed judgment so the plague was stayed and that was counted unto him for righteousness unto all generations forevermore. Now, when this plague had started and people were dying because they had uh, mingled with the Moabites and, and made uh, uh, some kind of joint effort with them. All of a sudden, while the people were mourning after these people died, a man came in brazenly named Zimri, I think was his name, and he had a Moabitish woman, and he just went into the tent with her right in front of Moses and Aaron, and that's when Phineas got up with a javelin and thrust them both through. And the scripture says the plague was stayed. Somebody says, uh, what's that got to do with the gospel? Well, when Christ was made sin and the javelin came through him of God's wrath, the plague was stayed. That, uh, they angered him, verse 32. They angered him also with the waters of strife so that when ill with Moses for their sakes because they provoked his spirit so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips that's when they said we, we don't have any water and Moses got angry at that time Moses had a temper and he said, you bunch of rebels must we uh, uh, fetch water out of the rock and God had said speak to the rock remember he didn't the rock had already been smitten Christ is not to be smitten twice the rock had already been smitten God said, speak to the rock and water will come out. What did Moses do? He smote the rock three times. And through that sin, he was not allowed to go into the promised land. You see, Moses represents the law. And the law is not going to bring anybody into the promised land. He smote the rock three times and spake unadvisedly with his lips and God said, you're not going to enter the promised land because of that. Verse 34, they did not destroy the nations concerning whom the Lord commanded them, but were mingled among the heathen and learned their works. And they served their idols, which was a snare unto them. Now, he said, destroy these nations. And he tells them in the book of Deuteronomy, I'm not telling you to destroy those nations because you're better than them, but because of their wickedness because of the things that they have done. And if you mix with them, you will be influenced by them, and you will do what they do. That happens every time when I mingle, when we mingle with that which is contrary to God, they always bring us down to their level, and we never bring them up. They mingled with the heathen. They served their idols, which was a snare unto them, Verse 37, yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils and shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and of their daughters, whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Now you think about that. They took their children. Could they do that? They did it. <clears throat> Not could they, they did it. This is how they were influenced by these false idols and false gods. They took their children and sacrificed them to the gods of that land and polluted the land, polluted by innocent blood. I've, a lot of times when people are talking about the evils of abortion, they will use this scripture and say, this is what's going on today. Well, I, you know, I, I guess you could use that argument, but that's not the main teaching here. The main teaching is how far they had fallen from God to sacrifice their children to the idols of the land. Verse 40 or verse 39 that thus were they defiled with their own works and went a whoring with their own inventions. Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against his people, insomuch that he abhorred his own inheritance. Never think of your sin or my sin as a thing of indifference the thing david did displeased the lord never think of your sin as a something the lord is indifferent about Uh, therefore was the wrath of the lord kindled against his people insomuch that he abhorred his own inheritance here's his divine chastening he gave them into the hand of the heathen And they that hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them. And they were brought under subjection under their hands. Many times did he deliver them. Many times. But they provoked him with their counsel. And were brought low for their iniquity. Now here we have this glorious word. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. Could a people be worse than these people? (laughs) I don't see how. Nevertheless. Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry. And this is the difference between the people of God and the people who are not God's people all of God's people, there's going to be a cry. There's going to be a cry from their heart when he heard their cry. Hold your finger there and turn to Exodus chapter 2. Verse 23, And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried. And their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage, just like these people crying in Psalm 106. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob, And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect. (laughs) What a powerful word. God had respect unto them. You see, he respects his son, and he respects his covenant. And because of that, he hears the cry. Turn back to Psalm 106. Look at the language in verse 45. And he remembered for them. (laughs) They forgot. He remembered for them. Oh, I want the Lord to remember me, don't you? Just like the thief. He remembered for them his covenant. And repented according to the multitude of his mercies. He made them also to be pitied of all those that carried them captives. Now isn't that glorious? Even when they're carried captive, the Lord causes their enemies to pity them. He's in control of everybody's minds. I I love to think about this. I, I, I just love this. God is completely sovereign over everything that goes on in the mind of every human being. He's sovereign over the free. People do what they want to do. Uncoerced, people do what they want to do. And God completely, sovereignly controls everything, so they're even made to pity. These enemies of Israel are made to pity. They're captives. Now, he says in verse 47, Save us, O oh Lord, our God. Is there ever a time when this is not an appropriate prayer? Save me. Save me from my sins. Save me from the messes I've made. Save me from my circumstances. Save me. Oh, this, is, Lord, save me. Oh, what this is, this is the prayer. <laughs> save me. When I'm saying save me, I'm knowing who he is and I'm knowing who I am. Save me. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the heathen to give thanks unto thy holy name and to triumph or to glory or to rejoice or to boast in thy praise. Blessed be. Now here's how he ends this psalm of confession. 800 years of history of Israel. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Praise ye the Lord.